Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio. This is the Halakha Hour live on Wednesday afternoon. Today is Erev Lag Ba'omer, the 32nd day of the Omer. Tonight will be Be'azad Hashem Lag Ba'omer. And we're going to have a special class today. We're going to finish up last week's class in the, about our discussion of Kemah Yashan. And Be'azad Hashem will also speak as much time as, as time allows us about Lag Ba'omer, about the Semachot Lag Ba'omer, some of the Halachot as well, Be'azad Hashem will speak about that, right? towards the end of this class. Let's first give you the numbers, the introductions that we do on a weekly basis. Let's begin. To listen to this class online, you could go to jrootradio.com. There you could also watch us live. You could also listen through your phone by calling the number 712-432-4217. You could also listen by radio Jroot Radio Pro app, that is only on the smartphone, or if you have an iPad or whatever of such, you can listen in such a way as well. The JRoot Radio Pro app. To call into the studio, the numbers are 718-683-5858. The other way to be interactive in the class is by texting in, which we always recommend is the best way to get your answer to questions answered, and that's by dialing or texting to the number 347 927 8398. Again, it's 347 927 8398. Here in the Halakha hour, we usually discuss the halakhot <coughs> that are practical. We try to make them practical, explain the background, and of course, try to understand how they apply in our situation. Usually, we work from the Benish High. However, in the holiday season, we take a little bit of a break and we speak about anything that is connected to the holiday. And of course, usually it's a halakhot holiday in what we're up to right now. We are in the between the days of Pesach and Shavuot, and all different halakhot that come up at this time. Halakhot that are directly connected to the times, like we spoke about in the past, which are the laws and the customs of Spirat HaOmer. As we're going to speak about today, the laws of, not the laws, but really the customs and the reasons of the customs of Lagba Omer. However, we are in the middle of discussing Kemah Yashan. The question is, what in the world does that have to do with Sfirat Omer? And the answer is, not much. Because really, this halakha seems to be a little bit isolated. In our days, you could have spoken about this halakha any time of the year. But being that when we count La Omer, Sfirat Omer, there is a halakha that becomes permitted, as we explained last week. And that is that once we start counting the Omer, then the new produce, or excuse me, the produce from last year becomes permitted to eat. Therefore, it is brought down in the halachot of Spirat Omer, Maran and Ora Hayim, Siman Taf Petet, the last halacha Saif Yod. Over there, he brings the halacha that the halachot of Kemah Hadash apply as well in our days. In order that we should come in and to start talking about the subject, we need to go back a little bit from last week, a little bit of a review, recap what we said last week, <coughs> and then take it from there. Let's begin like this. What is Kemah Hayashan? What is Kemah Hadash? It's something that seems to be mysterious to a lot of people. The subject of Kemah Hayashan, Kemah Hadash. And the answer is as follows. Maran writes in Shohan Aruch that, <coughs> like we just said beforehand, uh, the Halakha and Siman Taf Petet, the Shohan Aruch writes, 
אסור החדש, אסור לאכול חדש אף בזמן הזה. מרן תזס זה something called חדש, something that's called new, but we got, we're going to use the terminology that's used in halakha. חדש is forbidden even in our days that we don't have a Beit HaMikdash, and it doesn't make a difference in which form it is. Whether it's roasted, whether, whether it's ground and made into bread, made into cookies, whether it's cooked, it doesn't make a difference. It's asur at tahlat lel yudhayt ben Nisan, ubeeret sisayah at tahlat lel yudzayin ben Nisan. It's asur until the first time of Khan Mu'id, whether you're in Eretz Yisrael or in Hutz Aretz. In Eretz Yisrael, already the second night of the holiday of Pesach, it's already Khan Mu'id, and all the produce which is in the category of Hadash is asur. What is Hadash? What in the world is Maran talking about that is Hadash? And the answer is as follows. Anything that took root after the 16th of the Nisan, that is called Hadash. Now, this doesn't apply to all types of produce. It doesn't apply to corn. It doesn't apply to apples, which are trees. It doesn't apply to cucumbers. It doesn't apply to all these things. It only applies to the five grains, which we would make hamotzi on them had they been turned into bread. The five grains are known in Halakha as the Hamesha Haminim. And we will name them for you right now in English. They are wheat, barley, oats, rye, and spelt. These five grains are the only grains that are subject to the laws of Hadash. Nothing else. Not corn, anything else. So when we say produce, we're referring specifically to these five grains. That's number one. Number two, these five grains are asur when they're planted if they took root after Pesach. Now the way this works is as follows. You, take, you, you, you dig up the ground, you put a seed in the ground, and then you wait for the seed to take root. Once the seed takes root, and then already it starts, just like it starts to take root on the bottom, of the, going under the ground, it starts to go up the ground. Eventually it gets to the stage when it's fully developed, and it's ready for harvest. Not necessarily is it harvested right away. Here the halakha tells us, in order for something to be considered hadash, it's something of the new produce, it has to take root after the 16th of Nisan. I don't care when it was planted. I don't care when it was harvested. What we care about is when it took root. So had it taken root after the 16th of Nisan, it's in the category of hadash, which means it's a produce of this year, which will not be permitted to eat until the next 16th of Nisan. Let's give a mashal over here. We are in the year Tavshin Ayin He. We're going to use English numbers because people are familiar with it and it's easier. We're in the year 2015. We just had Pesach a month and uh, something ago. A month and change. So now, what happened is as follows. We came after Pesach, after the holiday was over, and we harvested some things. Now, in order to harvest the produce, it had to have been in the ground for at least a month. Because remember, you're putting it in, it takes a while till it takes root, and then it starts to grow, to grow, and you want, to, you want it to grow until it gets to, full, to a stage of full development. So at least a month, if not more. So this is what we did. We came, we harvested. Right after Pesach, we came, we harvested the produce. Is this considered hadash or is this considered yashan? If it's hadash, if it's part of the new produce, then it's subject to this issue that we're talking about. It will not be permitted until next year, Pesach 2016. 
and not the first day of Pesach, but rather the second day of Pesach in Eretz Yisrael, and in Chutz Aretz, the third day of Pesach. Remember, the target date is usually 16th of Nisan in Israel. In America, you always, which means outside of Israel, you just add another day. However, if you tell me that this produce belongs to last year's produce, this, whatever I harvested after Pesach 2015, really is part of last year's produce, so then it's called Yashan, old. And Yashan has become Mutar uh, after, uh, after the first day of Holomite Pesach. This, however, would have been Asur th- before Pesach. So what's the halakha? The answer is, that the halakha is, when did it take root? If it took root beforehand, before Pesach, then once Pesach comes in, even though I harvested it much after, even though I harvested it a month, two months later, I don't go by the harvest. We go by when it took root. That is the definition of kemah hadash as opposed to yashan. Hadash means the produce of the five grains took root after Pesach and Therefore, it becomes Asur until the next year, Pesach. If it took root before Pesach, then it's already Mutar because I'm already past Pesach. And that's called Kemah Yashan. Now, is this Halakha a Minhag? Is this something that's only for black hats or for those uh, extra, or as they call them in the, in the non-Jewish world, ultra-ultra-Orthodox? Where do we fit into this category? Who is, who, where is the uh, source of this halakha? The answer is, the halakha is Deoraita. This is a pasuk in Parashat Emor, which is read actually the Shabbat. We will read about, the, the Torah will talk about, Sfirat Aumar talk about all the holidays, and there we'll mention the pasuk, where it says clearly the following. It says, you cannot eat nor bread nor roasted or semi-roasted kernels until this day. It was referring to the 16th of Nisan until you bring the korban. Which produce is the Torah talking about? That's what we call hadash. Hadash is as soon until the 16th of Nisan, and then after the 16th of Nisan, it is known as Kemah Yashan already. This is Minha Torah. If it's Minha Torah, question is, is this just one opinion? Is there an argument? And the answer is, nine Rishonim, amongst them, the Rambam, the Reef, and the Rosh. Those are the three giants in Halakha of the Rishonim. This is what the Shohan Aruch bases his rulings in Shohan Aruch on, on upon these three opinions. The Rambam, the Reef, and Rashi. Plus many others. I just gave you a partial list. There are only these three, but there are nine at least that the Mishnah Rab Bi'ur Halakha points out. They all hold that the Isur of eating from the new produce is forbidden in HaTorah. Question that now hits everybody is what's the psaq halakha? Okay, you tell me now these opinions. What about Shohan Aruch? And we said the Shohan Aruch already beforehand. Shohan Aruch rules without any compromise. Shohan Aruch says the Isur of Hadash is Asur Afilubas Ban Even nowadays, it's Asur Middeoraita. In Yoredea, Maran talks more explicitly and he says it's Asur whether it's in Israel, whether it's outside of Israel. It's Asur whether it's the ownership, whether the produce is under the ownership of a Jew or the Goy. That means you can't just go to a Goy and buy his produce and say it doesn't apply to him. No. The Isur is on the item itself. Anything that took root 
after Pesach. You cannot eat it this whole year until the next year Pesach. Practically until the next year, 2016, you cannot eat the new produce, what is Hadash. The question that confronts every rabbi, I'm not talking about in our days only, I'm talking about in the days already from the Rishonim, is we see the severity of the Sisur, we rule that's Asumna Torah. The question is, how in the world is it that the majority of Jews were not keeping it? It's not a new thing. If you never heard of Kemah or if you never kept it really, and you're feeling a little bit guilty, not guilty, I don't know, and you say, well, how could everybody do it? You should know, that's a, that's a big question in Halakha. Every posik in the world, when they came across this subject, had to answer this question. What's going on over here? It clearly says in the Torah, it's Asur. It clearly says in Shohan Aruch, that's Asum Torah. How is everybody eating from the new produce? And therefore, we started to explain last week that although the majority of the Rishonim hold that's Asum HaTorah, there are opinions, however, that hold otherwise. Although they're not even close to the majority, they're considered almost a dat yahid, it's only very few opinions, but still there are other opinions. Now, who are the other opinions? The other opinions are led by the Bahag Baal Halachot Gedolot, as well as Rabbeinu Baruch, Sefer Terumah, which is brought down by the Rosh as well. They hold like this. They hold that the Isur of Hadash is only rabbinical. It's Midera Banan. But the Torah says, what do you mean? There's a Pasuk in the Torah, how could you hold Zera Banan? And the answer is, based on the Gemara and the Yerushalmi, I'm not going to go into the details on that. It's going to be very confusing. But basically, even in the Gemara, we find a mahluk about it. There are opinions in the Gemara that hold that it's Asur, but it's not clear what level of Asur it is. And they hold it's Asur Medirabbanan. Once you tell me it's Asur Medirabbanan, the question is, if the rabbis are the ones who decreed upon this, for example, Shemitah. We all know of Shemitah. It says in the Torah, in Parashat Behar, it says that you're not allowed to work the field on the seventh year. And we all know in Israel, the religious people, people who want to keep halakha, they keep Shemitah. However, Gemara Masechet Gitin and throughout other places, Masechet Shemitah, which is dedicated for Shemitah, explains that our Shemitah in our days, now that we're living today, the way our society is living today, Shemitah is only a Sumit Dirbanan. It's not a Sumit Doraita. Yet we know, okay, Shemitah, but still, it's Dirabanan. Even though Torah talks about it, there's a full parasha on it. It's Dirabanan. So it says Rabbeinu Baruch, likewise, the Isur of Hadash, even though there's a Pasuk that says it, Mefurash, still the Isur is only rabbinical. The rabbis are the ones who made it. Now, where did the rabbis decree that's, that there is an Isur of Hadash? And the answer is, in Hutzla Aretz, only in the parts that are around Eretz Israel. Only in the countries right around Eretz Israel. For example, Eretz Mitzrayim, Eretz Babel, which we would know as the Middle East, right there, right around Eretz Israel. That's where the rabbis made a gezera because it's too close to home, it's too close to Eretz Israel. However, other countries, other lands that are further beyond Eretz Israel, according to these Rishonim, it's only Asur. It's not even Asur. Since the Holy Spirit is only in Dirbanan, they were not going down such far countries. And therefore, these opinions hold. This is why the people are eating Hadash, and they're not, they're not concerned if it's Hadash or Yashan. How could, they, how could they not be concerned with the Halakha? How could they not be concerned with the Nisum Doraita? It's something that's Bifurash in the Torah. And the answer is because they are of the opinion that Hadash in the countries far from Eris Israel is not forbidden. However, like we said, 
that's not the opinion of the majority of poskim. That's certainly not the opinion of the Shohan Haruch. And now the question is, how does this opinion play into halakha? Do we say that, listen, you know, what are you going to do? There are people who are matir, and therefore don't speak about it. Let, let the people do as they wish. They have an option. Or they say, listen, listen there's a Shohan Aruch, and we have to know about it, and we have to stop. What do we do in such a case? So if you look in the poskim, poskim were hesitant to preach about the subject. They don't want to go out and tell everybody, Asur, Asur, it's Asur, not Torah. Why not? So the Rosh, already who is quoted by the Beit Yosef, he says, and he's not the first one, there's other opinions as well, um, he says like this, if the people are not keeping it, and you know by preaching to them, they're not going to keep it, so then what's going to happen is, it's going to make it worse, because they're going to end up doing Avira Bemezid. Since this is something that's very difficult for people to really keep, so therefore, if you tell them, they're not going to listen to you anyway. So what did you gain? Nothing. If anything, you made it worse for the people who are doing it because now they're committing a bigger avira. But the Rosh adds, however, and especially he says that the majority anyway of the produce in his times, the Rosh, by the way, lived about 700 years ago. A little bit more, but it's around 700 years ago. So the Rosh writes, besides the fact that the majority of the of, of the produce that in his time was anyway was anyway from last year's produce so we're not sure exactly where it came from therefore we could use something called asfix fika the majority anyway came from there and you're not sure where this produce came you don't have to worry about it you could allow them to eat it but certainly if a person could be mahmir on himself you should be mahmir the Rosh was one of the first ones to bring this up the Ramah follows in his tracks and you have a lot of the Ahronim as well that follow in their tracks but a lot of the Ahronim are not so happy with this fix fiqah because according to the rules of halakha, you can't just make up a fix fiqah without following the rules of fix fiqah. Sfix fiqah is really a very complicated subject. The, the shaykh in Yoreda Asiman, Kofiud, he brings over there all the dinim of fix fiqah, but even him, not everybody necessarily agrees with all those rules. It's a big, big, complicated list. And therefore, but still... There are rules that everybody has to abide by. You can't just make up sfiq sfiqah as the way you feel. It has to be a real suffix that we consider it as a suffix. So a lot of poskim, Ravakiva Eger, I believe he quotes also from Mutsal Me'esh, it's a sefer, and he asks on the sfiq sfiqah that doesn't fit according to the rules. So then the leniency of the Ramah is really not such a big leniency. The next person who, who the next posek that brought another leniency, a major leniency, was a Bah. The Bach ruled that Kemah Yashan, although you're right, it says in the Torah that's Asur, but who's it Asur? Whose produce is Asur? Only the produce if, uh, under the ownership of a Jew. Had the produce been under the ownership of a Goy, says the Bach, this is not in the category of Asur, and he is very strong about his opinion. He says, I brought it to all the rabbis of my generation, including the Maharshal, including Rab Shachna, and they all agreed with me, nobody disagreed with me, and he holds very strongly, you are not even allowed to be stringent. Why? Because this is the, uh, this, the, this the halakha, the halakha is that only produce that's done, only produce that's under the ownership of a Jew is forbidden, not the produce that's under the ownership of a goy. And therefore, for living outside of Israel, and our produce, the five grains that means, are coming 
from non-Jews, that's fine according to the Bah. However, this Bah is not a green light because all the Ahronim, Kim'at, all of the Ahronim went against the Bah and they all disagreed with him, starting with his son-in-law, the Taz, and you, the Shaykh also uh, knocks him out. And then the Gra on top of it writes the following, he says, Everybody disagreed, they all knocked out the Bah, and already they... Hold, they held that it was a mistake that the Baha, what he wrote, we do not follow it. But there is such an opinion out there. There is such a leniency out there. There's another great rabbi that came to try to bring a leniency. And that rabbi is known as the Pnei Yehoshua. Pnei Yehoshua is one of the greatest commentaries of the rabbis after Shohan Aruf, the Ahronim, on Shas. And he writes a pamphlet, I guess maybe a 15-page pamphlet, on the subject of Hadash, a subject of what is mutar, what is it mutar, not mutar. And over there he proves, or according to him, him he holds, that really the surah of hadas should really not be asum in torah However, at the end he writes, he says, however, although I concluded that hadash should really not be forbidden in torah he writes, you know, but I have standing in front of me the opinions of the three giants, the Reef, the Rambam, and the Rosh. These Rishonim held that it is Esumna Torah. So it says, who am I to not disagree with them? Yes, I could prove to you that really it should not be Esumna Torah, but really, he says, I don't believe there's one person in our generation that could even match one of them. When you have all these three rabbis together ruling, that's Esumna Torah, so therefore, he, he, he concludes, my words are nothing. So why would you write a whole pamphlet for? And tell me that's not Sunnah Torah. And he says, my words are only there to be melamed zakhut. That those who are doing it, and they cannot stop, then they have what to rely on. Why? Because you could say it's a safek, the oraita. He says they have what to rely on. But certainly, if they can, and they, they have to stop. If they could stop from eating hadash, they must stop from eating hadash. That is the opinion of the Pnei Yeshua. The Taz himself comes and he says, again, remember, everybody's bothered with this question. Everybody's bothered is, how can people do it? We come, you know, a person who's learning halakha, the real way to learn halakha is not to just to pick up, uh, uh, you know, like an English book and say, okay, what's the bottom line? Okay, let me just do it. Certainly, if a person wants to know what to do in halakha, of course, these English books are fantastic, you should know. They're so clear. All the books that have been, Baruch Hashem, you know, published by, by Art School, Feldheim, and, and other such companies, not only just English, even in Hebrew, the ones that give you pske halakha, written by known rabbis, they're very beautiful. Really, a lot of work went into them. But still, at the end of the day, when a person wants to know just quickly what to do, that's what you, what you look at. You look at the English books. However, when you want to study the subject in depth and you want to understand the source of the halakha, the real way to do it is you start from the Torah, you go on to the Gemara, Mishnayot, Gemara, Rishonim, go to Tur, Bet Yosef, you go to look at all the poskim and you get a full picture of exactly what it is. And therefore, all these rabbis were confronted. Listen, I looked at everything and at the end of the day, it should be Asumna Torah. Why in the world are people not following it? And therefore the task comes with another heter. He says, because we live in a time which is Shat Dahak. Shat Dahak means it's very necessary. And so what? If it's very necessary, we're going to eat tarif. We're going to eat non-kosher food. 
What does that mean? We live in Shata Dog, so let's go. Get me a hot dog from, uh, you know, from Nathan's. Well, how, do you come, how do you do such a thing? And the answer is, says the Taz, no. Shat Dahak allows me to rely on a Da'at Yahid. What does it mean a Da'at Yahid? There's a Mahlokit, like we just mentioned before, between the Rishonim, between the nine big rabbis that we mentioned beforehand, and the other three big rabbis, the Bahag and the Sefer Terumah, Rabbi Baruch, and they held... The, I mean, say the later Rishonim held that it was what this is a the Isur of Hadash does not apply in Hutzla Aritz. So, being that it doesn't apply in Hutzla Aritz, now of course, there's no question that Halakha we have to follow the majority. Not only are they the majority, the majority forbid it, but that's also the ruling of Shohan Aruch. However, the Taz says, Bishat Dahak, when it's very, what's like a, sort of like an emergency state of situation, we can rely on Da'at Yahid. We can rely on the very minimal opinions in this halakha. That's how the Taz explains the reason of why people are lenient with the subject of, with the eating of Hadash. Is this, now this in itself is debatable. Meaning to say, if something is a Torah, According to majority of opinions, according to the Shohan Aruch, according to the majority of opinions, everybody holds that's Asumna Torah. There are a few that hold that it's not Asumna Torah, it's even Mutar. Now, in the Halakha, of course, like I tell you, you can't follow the minority, you always have to follow the majority. Question is, Bishat Adah, can I rely on these opinions or not? This in itself is debatable when the subject is Asumna Torah. If it's Asumna banan, okay, this is what to rely on. But if it's Asumna Torah, Although the Taz is of the opinion that you could rely on the minority of opinions. However, not all the Ahronim agree with this. Brings a whole bunch of Ahronim that disagree with this. You look it up over there. Yet we do find in the subject of Yashan, in the subject mean to say of Hadash, we know, okay, even those who hold the Hadash as Asur, we do find some opinions that are lenient in other ca- in certain cases, mean to say in subcategories of Hadash. So up to now, we brought you the opinions of the majority of the post scheme, the ruling of Shahan that's Asur, and the few be- people that are Matir. And really, according to Maran, there's no question. You treat Hadash like the way you treat non-kosher meat. Non-kosher meat, if you cook it, you have to dispose of it, you have to kosher your pots, according to Shohan Aruch. If you cook hadash in your pots, then you have to take that pot and do hagala on it. You have to kosher your pots. Or what you could do is, hold on to the pots, don't use them until Pesach comes along, and wait till after Pesach to use them. And then the flavor that's in the walls becomes yashan, right? becomes last year's flavors, and therefore will be mutar. This is the opinion of Shaharuch. However, there are those who are a little bit more lenient. In Beli'ot, in the flavor in, that's absorbed into the walls, if that flavor came from Hadash, there are some leniencies. The first one to produce a leniency is the Ramah in his Chuvot, in the name, I believe, of Turmat Adeshin. He explains that being that according to some scheme, it's not even Asur, so it's a safek. It's a safek de rabbanan. Why? It's a safek. It's asud rabbanan. It's not asud rabbanan. So the Ramah holds, you don't have to be so mahmir in the flavor. That means if somebody cooked not yashan food in the pots and you want to use them now to cook again, 
according to the Rama, you could be lenient. Why? Because he says, Mid-de-oraita, really the flavor is Batel Berov. And since it's Batel Berov, and the whole subject of Hadash in itself is debatable, you have what to rely on. Not everybody, again, this is a leniency in the flavors and the pots. That means if I have, somebody tells me, listen, I made you pasta, don't worry about it, it's 100% kemah yashan. It's from last year's produce. It's not hadash. Okay. I may not be able to eat it right away. I have to, I have to know. Does this person in general cook pasta in the spot? Or does he use it for... Imagine somebody comes to you and he brings you a plate of pasta. And it's a non-Jew. He tells you, Senor, this pasta is 100% kosher. I bought it from this... Oh, the, the most kosher super, supermarket, the kosher supermarket. And it's, you know, this brand and this brand, it's 100% kosher. There's nothing in it. It's just pasta and tomato sauce that has all the extra name in the world. Could you eat it? And then it says, no, because what, what about the pots that he cooked with it? So according to Hanaruch, the pots that were used to cook with it, something that's not yashan, is also a surah. The Ramah, however, is matirit because he holds any other subject of hadash is debatable and in general, although we're always stringent to hold that you need 60 times the heter more than the isur, in this case, according to the Ramah, being that min Torah, it's batel berov, you could already have the food that's cooked in the pots. You don't have to worry about the beliaut. But again, really, when you analyze this heter, you see that's not such a simple heter. And again, Abraham already knocks out. The, the Surama, he says this only applies if you're cooking the same food. But once you had min besheno once you cook a different type of food, that means if you're not you're cooking raw pasta, just straight pasta in the pot, you're cooking something else, so the flavor goes into it. Even in Torah, you need shishim to be min batil. And therefore, he disagrees with the, with the Rama, or at least he limits the heter of the Rama to specific cases. The Mishnah Berura, however, in, in over there, he writes that you could be lenient though if it's shata dahak, you have it to rely on if you wait 24 hours. That means had somebody who really cooked hadash, let's say somebody took something that's for sure hadash and he cooked it in the pot, therefore making the pots now asur. The Mishabra says you could be lenient and wait after 24 hours and use those pots again without having to kosher it. This is the leniency of the Mishabra. Again, this does not mean Maran agrees with this. This is a leniency of the Mishabara based on the Ramah who holds what he holds by Yashan. But according to the strict explanation of Shohan Aruch, it would be a problem because like we said, Hadash according to the Shohan Aruch is no different from non-kosher meat. The other leniency that's brought down is a leniency in alcoholic drinks. Being that our drinks today, in those days you should know they only had water, wine, or beer. This is it. Uh, that's all they had. They didn't have Coca-Cola, didn't have Sprite. In a way, Baruch Hashem, then we have Coca-Cola and Sprite because people don't have to come, you know, for like, wine was too expensive, water was too plain. So beer, a lot of people drank beer. In fact, the majority of their drinks were Shekha, were beer, as you see, as all the post games speak about it. So therefore, they had to find a heter for the beer because it was very difficult for people not to have it. It was not like, a, you know, it was a staple food. They had to have it. So therefore, they had to find heterim for them. In our days, Baruch Hashem, majority of our drinks are junk maybe, Cokes and sodas and whatever, but at least 
we don't have the issue of Yashan in them, and we're not there running out and drinking beer. In fact, the season of when beer becomes Hadash also starts a little bit later than most of the other produce. In any case, there is leniency from the Panei Yeshua and other Ahronim when it comes to alcoholic drinks that are made from new produce. If it's the heavy alcohol, mean to say like, you know, hard, they call hard liquor, like whiskeys or certain vodkas and those things, anyway, it takes so long to make and to store in order to get the real flavor. So mistamat's always going to be yashan. So you don't have real issues over there. The only real issue is when it comes to beer, those you have to look out for. Okay, now that we explained the background of this halakha, it comes out right now. Now in our days, how would we, you know, how would we apply this in our days? Let's first give you the seasons. Let's tell you how things grow in, in, in America. In America, there are two seasons. There mean to say the crops every year come from two types of harvest. There's the winter crops and there are the spring crops. The winter crops, they are planted in the fall. And when do they harvest them? Now. Early summer, May, June. This is right now, they're working very hard on harvesting all this produce. So anything that's being harvested now, guess what? It's Yashan. You know why? Because, like we explained, in order for something to be Hadash, it has to take root after Pesach. If they're being harvested now, when were they planted? They were planted in the fall, in November. Oh, wait, November? Even earlier, October, November? It takes two weeks for something to take root. So that means for sure these things, although they stayed in the ground and they're not being harvested now, we don't go after harvest. We go after they took root and therefore the produce that's being right now harvested in America, that is all considered kemah yashan. You don't have to worry about it. However, there's another problem. There's another type of crop and that is the spring crops. Those are usually planted after Pesach. Oh, they planted after Pesach. So by the time they take root, by the time they start to grow and develop, you know when they get harvested? They're going to get harvested by June, July, excuse me, July to August. That's when they get harvested. But after they get harvested, they're not put in the store right away. After they get harvested, then already they have to take them and they have to grind them, mill them to turn them to flour. And then they're shipped out to the wholesalers and the wholesalers will ship them out to the manufacturers and they'll make their, pro, you know, their products as they, you know, they have to. This is how the seasons work in America. Once upon a time, we used to have an abundance in America of old produce. Before America became the Bikur Halim of the world and they started distributing to all the rest of the world. Now, the way the harvesting season, the harvesting uh, is done in America, it's done this way for the five grains. Is it all the five grains? Not 100%. We'll talk about them in detail later on. But what we're trying to point out to you is that we do have, we could have an issue of yashan, of eating produce that is hadash, even in America. Those pe people who claim that everything is yashan in America is not correct. It's not a fact. Everything is not yashan in America. All depends what the things are. And these, this is not my facts. Go look it up. You can see it yourself. There is a Rabbi Yosef Herman here in Brooklyn that puts out a guide to hadash every single year. And he has all these facts all these details right in the beginning of his book. And you could go there and you could research even further. Don't take his word. Go research even further and see for yourself how everything's produced in America. So now the question to us is as follows. What's, what do we do in our case? We, we have a problem here. Do we just 
do we look, do we ask for Kemah Yashan? Do we have to? Well, we just saw. According to all the opinions, all the Rishonim, majority, excuse me, according to 90% of the Rishonim, the, the, the produce, excuse me, Hadash is Asumna Torah. 90% of the poskim, Rishonim, hold, Hadash is Asumna Torah. Maran on top of them. Even the Heterim, notice the language, how the Heterim are brought. Oh, the question is, how are people doing it? Let's go be mid-zechut. And it's shata dahak. It's very necessary what you want people to do, to starve. There's nothing else. So there is what to rely on. I don't believe the situation is like that nowadays. I'll agree with you. You know, when I started keeping Yashan, when I learned about this, now I didn't know about all this in detail. Oh, I was told. I was a very simple Jew. I was told, this is Asur. You can't do it. It's Asum Torah. Okay. Uh, it was told to me by a good source. I started keeping it. It was not easy. I was not. I was not living in Brooklyn. I was in yeshiva. I was in an, in an Ashkenazi yeshiva, even more so outside of uh, Brooklyn. So there, I had a big problem because the Ashkenazim they have more of their poskim permitting hadash. So then, people were not as careful with hadash, and I had a very big. You know, I had a very difficult time. Baruch Hashem, I had a wonderful staff in the yeshiva and they they tried to be very accommodating. I remember eating by Rebbeim's house and one Rebbe would say, this is Yashan, this is Chadosh, this is not for you and this is for you. Even the cook already got used to me. He would tell me, today you can have this, this and that. Don't, don't touch that. That's not Yashan. So it was much harder though. It was still not everything was Yashan. Today, Baruch Hashem, because there's a demand for it, there's much more availability for Yashan meaning to say less is produce. And therefore, although Hadash is still around, and you'll find it by most of the uh, the things that are done, that are baked by non-Jewish companies, but still, in the Jewish companies are becoming more aware, more not just more aware, but there's a bigger demand for it, and therefore they're supplying it. They are supplying much more yashan than they have been in the past. And like we said last week, this is all due to you, the consumer. When you demand it, they'll make sure to produce it. And because of the larger demand, there's more availability of Yashan. I don't believe in our days it is a shot at Dahak. Tell me if you're living somewhere in the Midwest, maybe in America, even then I don't know, maybe. But if you're living here in New York, New Jersey here, Lakewood, I don't think it's shot at Dahak. I don't know. I would like to see any major posseg that disagrees with this, that holds that in our days we still consider shata dahak and therefore we can rely on the leniencies. Today in our days, you don't have to be a baal nefesh. You don't have to be a mahmir person to keep yashan. You have to be a normal person to keep yashan. Every one of us has to keep yashan. Even Ashkenazim alike. Go read the Mishnah Baran, Siman Tafpetit. He says, when we know this produce is hadash, how can we eat it? You have to stay away from it. And therefore, really... It's an obligation for everyone, Svaradim and Ashkenazim alike, to keep Yashan, which means they cannot eat Hadash in our days. So now, you're going to tell me there are Matirim, but again, read the Matirim. The Matirim were only Matir, those who permitted it, permitted it in very, very pressing circumstances. We don't have that in our days. It is not a pressing circumstance for you to go down, for you to, you know, Put your arms to the other shelf and get the something that's yashan instead of the one that's in front of you. It's not a pressing circ- uh, It's not a pressing circumstance when you can get this baked product, which is hadash, and you have to settle for the quality of food, which is a little bit less. It's not a big deal, so it's a little bit in the flavor. We're not talking about that. There's no food on the table. There's food and there's plenty of food, 
No, so this bakery may have it and this bakery may not have it. What's big deal? It's a little bit of a taste. It's not called a pressing circumstance. Certainly, to eat something that's asumna Torah, it's not a suf, just a regular suffix. This is, can you imagine? You have nine reasons telling you this is equivalent to eating non kosher meat. You know, today with the Baruch Hashem, with the people, the awareness of kashrut is so great. People are so careful with a little bit of a minute thing that maybe it's not kosher, maybe, oh no, not kosher. Maybe you have a flavor that's there and forget it every time we hear another thing about, uh, you know, what's going on in the kosher world and people are stringent. You heard about this and people stay away from even the small suffix, a small doubt of an isur. Hadash, which says straight out, Shohan Aruch, and the Rishonim, it's a pasuk in the Torah, that's a in the Torah. How can people have so lenient in it? And the answer is awareness. People don't know about it. We have to, we know about it, we have to preach it, we have to press it, we have to demand it, and it'll be much easier to keep, it'll be much more available, and as at the same, people, at the end of the day, the takhlit is that we keep what it says in the Torah. And you should know, in the market today, if you find things that come, that are made in Israel, any of the five grains, means say cookies, wafers, or breads, whatever, if they come from Israel and they have a reliable hashgaha from Israel, they're always yashan. Because in Israel, even those who wanted to be lenient were only lenient in countries far away from Israel. But in Israel itself, even those people who are lenient did agree that's Asur, and a lot of them agree that's even Asur Deraita. Not only that, in Israel, most of the time it's owned by a Jew. So you really don't even have the Heter of the Bah. So therefore, in Israel, they're very strict about it. And the majority, I can't say everybody, but the majority of the Hechsherim of Israel will always be Yashan. Also, when shopping, you should know, you have to be careful. A lot of times you'll take a package and it'll say on it Yashan. Okay, so you say, oh, beautiful, it says Kemah Yashan. And then you see a very reliable Hechsher right next to it. So you assume that the Hechsher is telling you that this is Yashan. That is not always the case. You should know, the Hechsher on products is not, doesn't mean the person gives a on everything that says on the package. A lot of times the owners will put certain things on the package and you really you're trusting the owner who's telling you if it's Yashan or if it's Berchat or Mezonot or Shehako or whatever. That's not necessarily coming from the Hajgaha. So therefore, in even when you have a Hajgaha and it says Yashan on the in, you know on the uh, package, you have to make sure that the Hajgaha is giving you the certification of Yashan, they're the ones who are taking responsibility that the product that you're buying is Kemah Yashan. If it's not, then you're really trusting the owner. I'm not telling you that the owner is not trustworthy. I'm just telling you, I don't know if he's trustworthy. But if you look for Hechsher, because you don't trust the owner, so then you should look also for the Hechsher, for the Yashan. What's the difference? Why are you drawing the line over here? You're looking for Hechsher to tell you that the ingredients are not Tarif. So you should look also that if you're keeping Yashan, that the Hashgaha is also verifying that it's also Yashan. Rabotai, make sure you're on top of that. This applies to restaurants as well. Just because you go into a restaurant and it says Kemah Yashan on it, this doesn't mean that the Hashgaha is responsible for the Yashan. Many times I've called up the Kashrut agency responsible for certain restaurants and I asked them, are your stuff Yashan? They say, we don't give certification for that. Does that mean it's Hadash? No, I'm not saying it's Hadash. I just don't know. But according to our standards, we don't hold that you need Yashan. So therefore, if the owner wants to bring Yashan or not, I don't know. If he tells you Yashan, you want to trust him. Yeah, you can trust him. So therefore, you have to be aware of that. Again, this doesn't mean the owner cannot be trusted. I'm just telling you that if you're trusting the Hashgaha, then you have to make sure the Hashgaha is responsible for the restaurant to make sure it's Yashan or not. 
The real hard area of keeping Yachan really is in the person's house. Excuse me, in, is outside the person's house. In your house, you may be in control of it. If you're married, that is, and your wife listens to you. Or, you know, if you're the wife, so you're buying everything and automatically your husband's going to listen to you, hopefully. Anyway, in when you go to eat by others, especially when your parents don't keep it, your in-laws don't keep it, uh, your your sisters, sister-in-laws, they're not keeping Yashan. They don't know about it. Oh, they hold it's not our menhag because they're not the severity of it. They've not, you know, shrink it to a level of menhag. That's when it really becomes very, very hard. So you should just know that in America, you don't have a problem of eating hadash until about July and August. And it all depends what it, you know, which which type of things are what Rabbi Herman brings in his book? He says that rye and spelt made in the U.S. are usually always yashan. They're always coming from the winter crops, which means they've been planted in the fall. So for rye and spelt, okay, I know it's not the most common ingredient, but you get something. Also, yashan doesn't have an issue until about July, August. Number three is a lot of times it could be yashan. You just have to make it, you know, make other people aware of it. Explain to them when you're being invited. If you're being invited for the holidays, usually by Sukkot or Rosh Hashanah, that's when the real problems come up. You're going to go eat over other people. So I'm keeping it till now. I don't know how other people are going to do it. And they're going to say, what happened to you? You know, we're all doing it. Well, we're not religious. We're, if it's good enough for the Rosh Hashiva, it's good enough for you. Everybody has his own ta'anot. At the end of the day, this is what you keep. Imagine you had a diet. Imagine you were on a strict diet. You cannot have any fried food. And this family is known. There are the frying distributors of the whole Brooklyn. Okay? And this is, you know, each one, you know, they make a lot of fried food. And you go to their house and you tell them, I can't have fried food. Will they get offended? No, they understand. You had a heart attack recently. Clogged arteries. Okay, fine. So they respect it. So I tell them the same thing over here. Please, you know, I don't mean to offend anybody, but it's a, you know, if they don't understand you, so don't say it's an issue, and therefore I don't want to keep it. So say it like this, is my custom. We've picked up a new thing this year, Baruch Hashem, we're trying to keep Yashan. You think it's possible that the ingredients you get for, you know, the invitation, the time that you're inviting us, for the meal they are inviting us to, could be Yashan? It makes it much easier if you do it from beforehand. Don't wait till you get there and you start asking people, is this Yashan? It's not Yashan. And they don't know how to answer. And you get all nervous. And then you don't, you don't eat and they all get offended. Don't do that. From beforehand, prepare yourself. You know these people are not aware of Yashan. Ask them. And you solve much of the problem. So now, bottom line, how are we going to conclude? We conclude in the following. If a person wants to start keeping Yashan, you learned already the severity of the item, of the, of the subject. So, and it's hard, but you want to do it in steps. So you can do it also in steps. Don't think it's all for n- or nothing. Although you're right. You know, in some cases you can have big problems, but still at least work in steps. Like in everything in Judaism, you have to know what to do. And then you that's the Shohan Aruch will tell you what to do. And then you open up your own Shohan Aruch. What does that mean, your own Shohan Aruch? It means your own plan. You have to make yourself a plan of how to get there. You have to know that it's a very big trick. And when you know what the halakha is and it's very difficult for you, you can't just ignore the halakha and say, I'm going to hell anyway, let me go. No. You have to pick up your, you have to figure out how to get to the level of keeping the halakha in full. So the Bihur halakha actually says the same thing. Those who have a hard time in keeping yashan, do it gradually, do it in steps, and avoid at least the things that you know that is hadash. Which means, get yourself, first of all, on the email list 
of this guide to Yosha, to, to, to Chadash, which is put out by Yosef Herman. He get a free email as the guide gets updated. He calls up the companies. He knows when the new produce is out. He knows when they have already problems of Hadash or not. And he has a system exactly how to look for what's Hadash and what's Yashan. And that's the best way to avoid it. And the way to subscribe, you email to the following, C-H-O-D-O-S-H, Chodosh, C-H-O-D-O-S-H at Sefer.org. Sefer is S-E-F-E-R dot org. Very simple. You email them. You say, I would like to subscribe to you. And you get a free email like everybody you put on the list, like everybody else. And then you follow the guide exactly how to shop. Very, very convenient. Very, very important. Also, since the problems really start by July, August. So therefore, this is what you have to do. You have to go... (coughs) And by the time the season starts, by July, August, stock up. Stock up on many of the things that you know you need. You're a pasta guy, you like noodles, you like penne, whatever it is. Stock up on them. Go and buy them in bulks and store them. This way, you know these things don't have a problem. These are from last year's produce. You don't have a problem with the Ashan. You're stored up on the things that you know you're going to need for the rest of the year. And believe it or not, there are many, many stores, many supermarkets, because of the great demand, that already supply with Yashan. That that have a whole line of Yashan that will tell you, this is Yashan and this is not Yashan. And therefore, you shop by these supermarkets. And especially if you make a demand from now, you start telling the manager, if you're close to the manager or everything else, they'll make sure that you'll have it by that season. Now, some people are worried. They say, yeah, but you know what? If you keep, if you keep Yashan, you can have a problem of bugs. Worms, because we know what happens when you store things there. What happens is the bugs come in and you can have other problems. So you solve the problem of hadas by eating bugs. Bugs is five isurim. And that ta'ana is ridiculous for the following point. Number one is because, first of all, the flour that you use for everything that you cook, we always sift it. So anyway, sifting for bugs. When you tell me, yeah, but it's going to be full of bugs, you can't even sift them. Okay, let me ask you. If you had uh, flour in your house, you have flour, you bought, you went to Costco, you bought yourself a fifth, two 50-pound bags of flour, okay? Happens to be it was stored in your house for three months. You're not going to use it, you throw it right away, or you're going to try to use it right away. Well, how come you're not worried about bugs? And the answer is you know yourself that really the likeliness of bugs is not so much on how old it is, it's how you store it. If you store it well, if you put it in a cool place, you won't have such a problem. And the same thing will be here. All those companies that supply merchandise, that supply food that is Yashan, they store the flour in a place that won't have a problem of bugs and worms. And that's why you don't have such an issue. Besides that, because again, like we said, there is a big demand for Yashan. Therefore, what has hap- what has have been happening in the last couple of years is that a lot of the wheat is not milled, that means it's not ground up into flour until it's ready to be shipped, which means they don't harvest everything and then they grind it to flour and then they store it. No, they store the wheat kernels. Wheat kernels are not going to be have a problem with bugs. And then afterwards, they mill them, they grind them, and then they turn them to flour. So you're getting freshly milled flour to whatever these factories are getting them. And they don't have a problem with worms at all. It's nothing. It's no different than the hadas, which has been harvested just in the same time, except this one took root before Pesach. So that's the problem with bugs. That's how it's solved. It's not even an issue 
again, if you want to worry about it, you'll have to, uh, you know, be fair with you. You have to be consistent in your worry. Now, I want to repeat now the email again to this guy to Khadash. It's C O, excuse me, C H O D O S H at sefer.org. Chodosh, C H O D O S H at sefer.org. Okay, next. Another thing a person is seeing that's hard for him. Okay, let's say you want to start in your house. So, in your house, you're keeping everything. Great, wonderful. Now, when you go out to shop, so if you store it up, it's great. If you go out to shop, if you have this guide, it will show you exactly what to look for and what to avoid. Restaurants, we mentioned already the issue. Again, there's a demand. So therefore, when you go to a restaurant, you should know. You have to be aware of foods that may contain inside them wheat flour. A lot of people, for example, don't realize, you know, I'm not talking about restaurants for a second, you know, Twizzlers have to be Yashan. Most of the candies have wheat flour inside of them in order to hold the, uh, what's it called, to hold the, the sugar together. Sugar doesn't stick together, so you need to put flour to hold it together. That also has to be Yashan. Even though you're not making mezanot on it, still has to be the flour itself. That's what you're putting in your body. It has to be Yashan. Another issue to look for also sometimes in potato chips. Like, for example, I know for a fact, wise potato chips, the barbecue flavor, have wheat flour in it. Somehow, with a lot of barbecue flavors, they put wheat flour. Also, that has to be Yashan. The book will tell you if the issues of Hadash apply and therefore you should avoid them, or which chips you should, or which you know products to avoid or to keep, or that, that you don't have to avoid, you could have. You'll all find that all in the book, but you have to be on the lookout for it. Also, when you go to restaurants, when you go to restaurants, again, if you trust the owner, you can ask him straightforward, is this Yashan or not Yashan? If he doesn't know what you're talking about, then I don't believe then that it's Yashan. He doesn't know what, he, what he's talking about. Or you call up the Hajgaha. You call up the the you know the, the kosher certification, who has, whoever is certifying the restaurant, if you trust them, and you ask them, is everything Yashan? Make sure that it's everything. It's not just the breads. Because there's other things that, you know, they mix together with it. Also, even though people may ha- tell you certain ingredients are yashan, certain things are not yashan, if people use the same fryer to cook in it, things are yashan, things are not yashan, then it doesn't have to just buy the food that is yashan. Le mashal. You know, they have regular fries and they have the spicy fries, which are known as, the name skips my mind, obviously I don't buy them, so anyway, the spicy fries, the spicy fries, that spice that's on the fries, they first dip the potatoes inside of flour, wheat flour, mixed together with these spices, and then they get stuck on them, that's how they fry them. A lot of times this wheat flour, Cajun fries, yeah, that's what they're called. A lot of times the Cajun fries may not be Yashan. So you go to a pizza store and you say, is your Cajun fries, are your Cajun fries Yashan? He tells you, no, they're not. Oh, what about, okay, so then you know what? Let me have the regular fries. And he's putting them in the same fryer. It doesn't help you because in that fryer you have hadash and it's going on you. It's going on the fries, meaning to say that you're going to have. So although we said in beliaot you can be lenient, but that's beliaot in the pots, in the walls. In the fryer you have mamashut. You have actual substance. You have the actual food in the fryer. And therefore, that is going to be an issue and you have to be aware of it. Another thing to keep in mind also is when you go away. This is when it really, really becomes hard. When you're traveling outside of the Jewish community of New York and you're going to Florida, you're going to California and you're going, of course, in the winter months and that's going to be really an issue. So again, like we said, you have to do it gradually. 
if you're not on the level of keeping yet and you're starting, so maybe you want to accept upon yourself, at least in New York, I'll keep it. When I go outside of New York, maybe I have what to rely on. I have uh, uh, the Taz and Shat al-Dahak perhaps. Yeah, maybe. But again, you do it gradually. If you really want to keep this halakha all the way, so Hazak Baruch, if you could keep it all the way. If you cannot keep it all the way, don't drop everything just because you can't keep it in California and you're going to California only once a year if you find a good deal on dense deals. You understand? So it's not the way to think. That's not the way to live life. You do whatever you try to do. You don't do everything, all or nothing. A person's looking for a job and he wants a certain amount of salary and nobody's giving him jobs and he finds somebody who's offering him a little bit less from what he's looking for. He's not going to drop it. You take it for now. That's because you have nothing else. Same thing. You want to keep Yashan. Don't worry about the once in the lifetime chance that maybe you'll leave New York. If you could keep it in New York, keep it. Wonderful. Even if New York, if you could keep it in your house, at least keep it. At least in your house. And then, Rezat Hashem, you'll be able to keep it fully. This is our class on Kemah Yashan. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to go and speak about the subject of tonight of Lagba Omer. You know, Havad, okay, Rezat Hashem, maybe next year we'll talk about it a little bit more. Until, okay, we'll keep it for that. We'll hear in the studio, if anybody has questions or comments, you could call us in at 718-683-5858. Or you could text in at 347-927-8398. This class will be repeated again tonight on jrootradio.com at 11 p.m. We'll see you, Razat Hashem, next week. We'll continue in, the halakhot, in our halakhot between Pesach and Shavuot. Razat Hashem will start talking about the holiday of Shavuot and preparing for the holiday of Shavuot. That will be all next week. Until then, have a wonderful week. We'd like to say thank you to the Iran and the Jewish staff for all their wonderful work.